Thanks for tuning in to Travel Royally Podcast. This is your host, Hayden Moore. We are sponsored by Royal Links Golf Tours, where we create unforgettable golf vacations to the British Isles. You can find us at royallinksgolftours.com. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Travel Royally Podcast. This is episode number five. Today we're bringing back Dale Schmitz and Jeff Bartholomew. Jeff is obviously my partner in Royal Links Golf Tours, and Jeff has been a great advocate for the company. Um, today we're going to be really talking about, uh, you know, we're going to talk about their first trips to the British Isles and what led to that. Um, we're also going to talk about their friendship and how it has really affected Royal Links Golf Tours and uh, a lot of things about, you know, if you've never been to the British Isles, if you don't know much about Lynx Golf, they're going to cover a lot of that for us. So first thing, we're going to kind of get a little background about uh, their friendship and how they met and uh, how that really um, progressed Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Jeff, you want to start? Well, first, this is the best you can do. Me and Dale? Yep, that's it. Okay. Now, you know, Dale and I are uh, always happy to talk about Lynx Golf. He and I are two people that are extremely in love with the uh, with Lynx Golf. He's been nine times, and I've been more than that, but we've always gone together on these trips, and between us, or together, we've played every British Open venue that's yeah. ever been uh, hosted. There are 14 of them, and he's got one more to go. So, you know, yeah, we haven't talked about that, but that I do want to be with you when you play that. Yeah, we'll. we'll I don't want to miss work that. It out. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do it. So yeah, how did we you've, meet? You've, uh, Jeff. You've probably played all of them twice through. Championship courses, a couple of them. I don't know about that, but <laughs> Dale and I met about twenty-five years ago. I was working at Steelcase. He wanted to work at Steelcase. A mutual friend of ours introduced us. And I don't know if I've told Dale this, but I remember I was in front of my house in Los Angeles when he called and I was about to go in. And so 25 years ago, yeah, it may have been 26 years ago. Amanda was either a baby or about to be born and Olivia was a baby or, or very little and Andrew was young. So that's how long we've known each other, over 25 years. And I, I started, he ended up working with me in a, in a division within Steelcase. And then when I moved to Seattle, he was living there and, and his wife took a job in a different state and he literally left that day and we never worked together in Seattle. So, but over the course of the years, we've, whether he was living in Seattle or Columbus, Ohio, or Minneapolis or now Atlanta, like me, we've gone on nine golf trips together to the British Isles and enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. And in fact, Jeff, when you were living in LA and I was in Seattle and had just started at Steelcase, the first time I came down on business to LA, I brought my sticks because I remember I played, we played that weekend. I stayed over and stayed yep. at your house and we played that weekend. And uh, I think at that time, Amanda was, uh, was an infant. I remember I remember uh, your kids, uh, all three of them. So, um, yeah, but that was uh, that was an interesting trip. And I think even Brian Weston, your good friend, um, you grew up with, he he came out that weekend, and Ralph Chipano, who've also yeah. been on multiple trips with you yeah. uh, to the British Isles and myself um, as well. And that was a that was a great uh, that was a great weekend. Although I think we got rained out or we played in very sloppy conditions in Santa Barbara I remember but um yeah so that's that's how we met but I think what people really want to know on this podcast is they want to know how the two of you met <laughs> two of us met uh well it all started when I met my wife in Nashville uh we met on a dating site and if I remember correctly um, this is about to be a lie. I'm telling you in advance. If <laughs> I remember correctly, from what my wife tells me, um, Jeff and Dale both went to Cincinnati. I also went to Cincinnati and played football there. Uh, Amanda messaged her dad, Jeff, and said that I may be going on a date this week with Hayden Moore. Do you know him? And of course, 
well, not of course, but Jess said, yeah, I know I'm, I'm a, I'm a football fan. And she said that was the first time that, uh, that Jess been excited about Amanda having a boy. <laughs> so he'll, he'll deny it. He'll deny it, but. That's yeah, yeah, you had an automatic stamp of approval based on the fact that you were Bearcat. <laughs> I got a head start for sure. So let me, I, I got to correct a couple of things. So first of all, the way you guys were, were, the way I introduced, I introduced Jeff to you, Hayden, by way of text, because um, back in 2015, when you came in, you were a redshirt uh, freshman, you came into a game against Memphis when Gunnar Keel, who uh, was the starter at the time, you came yeah. in and replaced him and went on to throw for 557 yards, I believe, in that in that game. So That's right. uh, hats off to you on that. That was a, yeah. and also setting a school record for most passing yards in a game. But I texted Jeff during that game. I said, are you watching the UC game against Memphis? Because there's a kid in there, Hayden Moore, and I tell you, this guy <laughs> is throwing it all over the yard. And that was like in the, you know, first half and you, you, and you, and you, you set a record and you only played, I think you came in with three, under three minutes quarters. and change. Yeah. In the first quarter. So that was amazing. So, um, but that's, so that's how he first heard the name Hayden Moore. It wasn't from Amanda. That's a good story too. That's great. Yeah, I, didn't, I forgot about that, but um, I did get to see him play when I knew him up in Canada. That's true. Yeah, he played when he was with the Tiger Cats in the Canadian Football League. I got to go up. We had a, you know, I think I went up for two games. We had a wonderful time. Up but you also, uh, before I even knew you, you went to the UCLA game when we played them my last year. Yeah. And LA, you, yeah. you and Tina were there and you didn't even know uh, that I was going to be marrying your daughter that next year. So that was fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enough about that. So I, I think I knew I knew Hayden was going to marry your daughter before you did, Jeff. And and I'll I'll tell this story. How so? The first time I met Hayden was a couple of years ago, and you were I think it was your first time down to Peachtree City, and you and Jeff were playing golf and asked me if I wanted to join you. And at the time, I couldn't oh, play. Oh yeah, 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 Because yeah. I had hurt my neck, That's and right. so we were playing Plantera um, Club local here, and and um, so I said, well, what if I just meet up with you guys on on the back nine and walk the back nine with you so we met on the 10th uh, tee and and uh as we're walking down the fairway Hayden and I started talking about uh where he was from and um how he met Amanda and so after I'd asked him how they had met my second question was going to be how soon was it before you knew his father went to her father went to UC and uh, so I, I couldn't even get the full question. I said, so after he told me how they met and everything, I said, so how long was it before you knew? And he, he looked at me square in the eye and said, immediately. And I said, oh, okay. And after the round was over, I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, I think uh, Hayden has serious designs for your, for your daughter uh, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if those two are married someday sure enough so that's right when, when he asked me if he could marry her i said no he gave me a run for the money but yeah. i think it was a plan all along he has to he has to play hard to get you know as a, as a father-in-law you know makes him more yeah. desirable okay so now we know the origin story of, of okay so uh, now can we talk Jeff about golf? yeah let's talk about yeah. some links golf uh first thing i want to get into was uh y'all's first um links golf trip and where y'all went. Dale, you can go ahead and start. Our first trip was to Scotland. And um, I remember we played the old course at some point. And um, I think um, the, the, for me, the highlight of that uh, trip was actually not, were a couple highlights. One is uh, I got to golf uh, with just father a couple of times, a couple of rounds most notably um, at Muirfield um, in Scotland. And it was, they only send out twosome. So uh, Jeff went out with his friend, Brian, and I went out with, uh, with his dad, Jim. And that was a great experience and a great round. In fact, I took a picture of your father in a bunker. And I remember 
and that's still, I've got it framed right over in the wall there. I, it's my favorite picture because it has him in the bunker, has the caddy standing. We both had caddies. He's standing right next to him with the rake, getting ready for yeah. when he, when he exits the, uh, the bunker to rake it. And it's just a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great picture. So those are a couple of things that, that stand out. And then uh, playing over in Prestwick was on the west side of Scotland was, was a highlight. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, playing St. Andrews was, was a little bit of, um, it wasn't as, uh, as, I couldn't appreciate it because I think in order to appreciate St. Andrews, you probably got to play some other courses first. And, uh, and so I would encourage people not to necessarily go for that on your first trip, because I think anybody who does that doesn't really fully appreciate it, uh, nor understand you know, uh, understand what, what that's, what it's all about. So, yeah. um, for, for me playing the other courses was probably the highlight and then going back to St. Andrews on, you know, uh, a, a future trip was, was then I could start to understand you really, the fourth time I really played the course, it takes that long to really kind of get the quirks and where to hit the ball. And it's, it's unlike any other course you play, but it's probably not the, the, you know, in terms of the full, uh, experience of links golf you probably get that from other courses and press week being you know one that I remember is just really was a was a great course uh, similar to St. Andrews in terms of they just don't make courses like that anymore yeah. um, and then and then next to it was Troon and that that uh, that course was very very difficult um, but fun to play nonetheless. All right, Dale, thanks for that. Uh, Jeff, let's go ahead and talk about your first trip over to the British Isles. Well, I went 25 years ago. It was my dad's 60th birthday. Yeah. And I'd saved for two years, and I'd done two years of studying, learning everything I could about Lynx Golf and the courses over there. And so we went to – we actually went to London first for a couple of days. Then we took the train up to Glasgow and I remember we went the next morning we got up and I told my dad we had a, a guest house that kind of overlooked the golf course and I said doesn't look like we're going to be, be able to play today dad it was raining pretty good but we went up got up had breakfast walked over to the course or actually drove around the corner to the course and put our rain suits on went in the pro shop came out they said, you guys can play even if it's raining. We reluctantly teed off at Presswick. So that was my first course in a, in a Lynx environment. And it looked like you were on the moon. I literally didn't know where to hit the ball. It was like, there was no evident fairway. Now it was, it was a 90 degree angle, right? Because you're kind of in the corner, there's a railway line. And then behind you is the clubhouse. So I had not, I didn't have 180 degrees, but I did have 90. And I'm like, I don't know whether to hit it left, center, or right. And I had a driver in my hand, and the caddy takes that out of my hand. He thrusts a six iron in my hand, and he points somewhere. And <laughs> off we went. And midway down the fairway, we took our waterproofs off and never put them back on. But that trip, my dad and I played Prestwick, Turnberry, Troon. Macrahanish, Carnoustie, the old course, Muirfield, Royal Doorknock, Cruden Bay. I mean, it was like not bad lineup. Like a magical mystery tour of golf. And first one too. It was. We played Crail down near St Andrews. It was it was amazing, and you know when you think about it he's passed away now this past couple months ago but the memories i have for that from that trip are unbelievable and it's really the whole reason why we started royal links was playing with him i remember being over there on that first trip and he said why aren't you taking more pictures hmm. and i said because i'm coming back i mean i'd fallen in love with links golf so that's he and i had just an amazing trip and then we went back again the following year 
and I didn't pay for him that time. But yeah, the trip that, that, that Dale's talking about. And then the next time he went was on his 70th birthday, I took him to Ireland. And he and I played the courses around Ireland. So yeah, it's really special to be able to, you know, take these trips. And it's even more special when you get to play uh, with your dad, have those memories forever. Um, so that's awesome. Um, another big part about, you know, British Isles and uh, the culture there is, you know, whiskey. You got Irish whiskey, you got scotch. Um, I know y'all are a fan of scotch and y'all got me in trouble one time, one night, introducing me to scotch. Uh, we talked about it on the former podcast, but uh, Jeff, uh, tell us what your favorite um, scotch or Irish whiskey is. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I like, I prefer the lowland whiskeys in Scotland. Okay. I don't, pref I don't like the, uh, the uh, Isla uh, Petey uh, ones. So I, I prefer lowland and highland, not, the, not Isla. It's too, it's too Petey for me, but there are a number of wonderful distilleries. Uh, the ones that I like the most are, uh, I would say, Edradour, which is, it was at a time and may still be the smallest distillery in Scotland. It's fantastic. Um, Dale and I, Dale's a huge fan of Glenmorangie, and we haven't, we've driven by there. I don't, we haven't been through that tour. Mm. A great one that I went in that's really modern is Macallan. Mm. Uh, that's a fantastic one. Mm. Glenfiddich is great. And is that the one that you got Dale for Christmas last year? Um, Glenn Fiddick? I don't I think remember. so. I don't remember, but yeah. <laughs> and so many, so many, you don't remember. Somebody was, gave me a Glenn Fiddick. I don't remember who it was. That was the night. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and then they, there's a new distillery near near St. Andrews called Kings Barnes. That's yeah. really nice. And they make a wonderful whiskey. And we're encouraging but, all those trips. Um, when we're when we're uh, planning trips for people, uh, that's one of the main tours that we kind of push towards them is the distilleries and how uh, they're great. So uh, Dale, well, well yeah. the other thing, Hayden, just real quick, yeah, if sure. people are too far away from a distillery, we can set up whiskey tastings. That's right. That's right. We bring the whiskey to your hotel or restaurant, and and we put on a whiskey tasting that's really unforgettable. Yeah, as well. That's, that's, that's a great. That's a great idea. Do it before a round, get a little whiskey tasting, and then head out to the course. <laughs> yeah. That's Dale's MO. Yeah, that is. We talked about that on Dale's podcast. Dale, tell us uh, what your favorite uh, Scotch or Irish whiskey is. So I have a little bit more of a discerning palate than Jeff. Um, <laughs> my my taste for whiskey is uh, seasonal. So I like to go with the PD or, um, you know, I'll uh, whiskeys, um, in the winter time. So Lagavulin is a great, uh, whiskey. Um, yeah. it's, it's some consider it one of the best whiskeys, all, you know, bar none in Scotland. Um, it's very good. I like Lagavulin. And then, um, like he said, Glenmorangie is, is a great, they make some great whiskeys. Um, but then there's always, uh, like, um, Glenn McCallum's great. Uh, Balvenie is great. Um, oh, what's Aberlauer is a great whiskey. I love that one too. You know, affordable, you know. So a lot of these are like, you know, because like other spirits, you know, you don't want to spend necessarily top dollar all the time. So I like yeah. to find like mid-tier pricing, but high quality yeah. whiskeys. So those are all whiskeys that kind of price out that way. Um, what's the one know? Dick likes so much? But it's not, he likes Balvenie, um, Bal Blair. Bal Blair, that's it. Yeah. And, and by the way, our friend Dick, he is, he is a, a savant. Some might say an idiot savant uh, in, in a lot of ways, but one of them's with whiskey tasting. I swear to God, the guy has blind tested whiskey and can actually, you, you put three different whiskeys in a, you know, in a paper bag and he'll, he'll taste them and he'll tell you which each one is. It's, wow. it's, uh, it's yeah, it's wild. We'll have them do this like a little bit of a bar trick, but pretty amazing. Well, I'm a I'm a newbie into the whiskey world. I've started my collection a couple of years ago, um, but my favorites from what I've had so far, nothing from over there. Um, but I do love Basil Hayden's. 
Um, not just because Hayden is in the name, because that's the smoothest whiskey that I've, I've tasted. And I also love Gentleman Jack. And I love that because, and, and this ties into it, I've been to the Jack Daniels Distillery, and I think it brings so much more um, meaning to right. tasting. And when you go to Scotland or Ireland and you, really, and you go to these distilleries, it really makes a difference in uh, your, your, your taste buds. <laughs> In a way. Yeah, well, Bushmills and, and Jameson in Ireland are excellent distilleries with excellent whiskey. But I think the other thing, there are great, uh, you know, Guinness is something that if you're in Ireland, the Guinness Brewery at St. James Gate is something you shouldn't miss if you like, if you like beer. And I think it's a fantastic tour and it ends in the highest point in the city with a pre-pint of Guinness. It's just unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, when you think about golf, a lot of people, you know, they picture a certain hole. If they think about a course, they're thinking about a certain, like, um, first hole or 18 finishing hole or a par three. Um, and that really makes you remember um, your favorite course. When you talk about a favorite course, you say, oh, yeah, I love this course because number three, par three is amazing. It's over water. And that really um, makes a difference. Uh, Dale, talk about. You know, when you're thinking about your favorite courses and your favorite holes, which holes stand out to you the most? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, I think there's different ways of looking at it in terms of, you know, there's some there's some holes that are just dramatic in terms of the yeah. setting and the challenge. Um, and then there's others that just have memories, you know, in terms of how you maybe how you played them. Um, but I, and, and I kind of break it down by, you know, par, par threes. So let's start with that. Let's talk about par threes. So par threes in the British Isles, probably the most famous, you know, is, is arguably the postage stamp at Troon, right? Yeah. I think it's number eight, hole number eight. And the reason why is just because it's this pretty small green surrounded by bunkers. I don't know how many bunkers surround it, Jeff. Maybe you know, there's like a dozen bunkers. And so it's, there's so much pressure because it's only like a, a you know, a wedge or a, a half wedge um, to get uh, to the to the uh, to the green, but um, you know, with all those with all that sand around, it's uh, and, and and it's facing out towards the sea. So a lot of times you got a wind coming straight yeah. into you. Um, that's that to me. That's a really memorable hole. You know, when you play it. Um, I think other par threes. I know the uh, the starter at Royal Lytham and St Anne's. That that. that course starts with the par three very unusual for most golf courses in yeah. general uh especially over there i can't think of another course that starts off with a par three but that's interesting and then there's also you know the historical reference when um i think it was the final round of an open championship and it was um who was the who was the golfer jeff um his his caddy had too many uh he was Ian practicing on and was that Ian Woosnam. Ian Woosnam, yeah. So he was practicing with two different. He's trying out a different driver on the uh, at the range, and uh, and so instead of getting rid of one of them, uh, the caddy accidentally put both back in the bag. So he had 15 clubs, which is illegal, and found out after they got to, <laughs> to the to the second hole, which is a par four, and he pulled out a driver and he looked and saw he had two drivers, and so. Yeah, there was a little bit of a meltdown there, but those two par threes. What about for you, Jeff? What par threes come to mind over in Scotland, or you know Ireland or anywhere Wales yeah. or England? Well, at at uh, Lahinch, there's the Dell. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful par three over a mountain. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous par three. I love that one. There's a blind par three at um, Presswick. Yeah, right. It's called um, Himalayas. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, I love that one. And then, you know, St. Andrews, the 11th at St. Andrews is a very difficult. Eden. The Eden Hall. Yeah. yeah. And that's where Bobby Jones tore up his scorecard in disgust because he couldn't get out of a bunker in his first appearance over there. But the other ones that I like too, I've got some unusual ones, I think. Uh, the 17th at Castle Course is a magnificent par three over the Big Cove, Dale. Right? I mean, that's a wonderful par three. Yeah. I love the par three. I think it's the 7th at Hopeman, which is the course mm -hmm. right next to 
the course that I'm a member at up in uh, near Elgin. And that's a fantastic par three. You're about 150 feet above the surface of the green. And it's probably 150 yards out. So you can hit like a 130 yard club and it just drops down. And there, the day we were there, there were dolphins in the cove and it was just gorgeous. That was, so there are a lot of, there are a lot of holes like that, 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 you know, a lot of people haven't ho- heard of, but yep. I love those par threes. What about a couple uh, signature first holes? First tee boxes. And there one uh, that kind of goes over over the ocean. Well, first of all, the, the, the starting hole at the old course at St. Andrews is magnificent and nerve wracking because you're thinking every great golfer who's ever played is played here. Every great professional. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's not that difficult of a hole, but you're never going to shake more than you will there. Um, I think other great starting holes for me, Macrahanish, as I think the best opening hole in golf, and and I think a lot of people would say that, but it's a dogleg left, and you literally have to hit your ball out over the ocean, and the and the wind drops it back in the fairway. That yeah. is a fun golf shot. So I love, um, I love that I love that hole. Other great starting holes. Wow. Well, those are Royal, two that come to my mind. Go ahead. I've got one. Royal Porthcall in Wales. Yeah. And uh, first hole there is is great because it's it's hard against the uh, the ocean and you um, the ocean runs along the left side and and uh, it kind of doglegs and hugs right along the shoreline. And I uh, had the distinction when we played there of being able to I birdied that first hole. And, and what was funny is the um, couple of years after we were there, Wales did this really huge um, PR campaign about come to Wales, play golf in Wales. And uh, they showed that first hole. And I would tell people, because uh, a couple of times where I had people over, were watching a golf tournament or something. I said, hey, I birdied that hole in route to a 101. <laughs> was not the best, uh, good start. Horrible 17 remaining holes. By the, but. by the way, Dale, I spoke to a guy today over in the UK who's a member at both uh, Southport and Ainsdale and Hillside. Wow. You know? God bless him. Not bad. Isn't that amazing? But, yeah. I, you know, in terms of other great starting holes, I've got another one. I love the opening hole at uh, Royal Dornock. And it's not so much because, again, I don't think it's that difficult, but the green is amazing. You know, Dale, if you think about it in the back left corner of that green, there's like a big sunken hole. It's like a crater from a bomb yeah. that's left yeah. there. And they'll put the t- they'll put the pin back there. It's that's a very cool hole. And then the other one, the most recent one that I played that I think is great is the opening hole at Dumbarney, the new course just outside St. Andrews. Yeah. It's a magnificent starting hole, downhill, long par four. And you from that vista, from an elevated tee, you can see parts of the course. And once you get halfway down that fairway, the rest of the course disappears because you're ensconced in dunes. And you don't see another hole for the rest of the, um, you can't see another hole from any fairway for the rest of the, the walk. It's just, it's an that's an amazing starting <clears throat> well we're uh talking about our favorite holes let's talk about our favorite 19th hole and maybe some good uh good memories from those dale you want to start Go ahead, dale. so could the 19th hole uh be before the round or <laughs> Well, nineteen would insinuate that it's because I it's like when I read a book, I like to start. I like to start with the ending and then work my way back. Uh, I think Duke's has a great, a great pub, uh, and we yeah, talked I'm not about. I argue with that. <laughs> um, wow, there's <clears throat> Jeff. Jeff frequents those um, those places more than I do. I usually. 
I'm a trunk slammer. I, I just throw my clubs back in the rental and drive off, but Jeff likes to stay, stick around and commiserate. Well, I'll give you a couple that stand out for me. Uh, everyone knows the Dunvegan in St. Andrews is fantastic. And um, there's a, a new bar in the Russacks Hotel called the One Under. And it's yeah. under the hotel and it looks right out at the golf course. So you can sit in, they've got a patio and or inside the bar with windows and you can see the old course from there. The Jigger Inn is right there. That's a great spot for a 19th hole. Uh, the, the other ones that I like, I like Old Head. It sits up on this promontory point yeah. and, and looks out at the golf course and the weather's not always great there. That's a wonderful 19th hole. Hey, Jeff, not to interrupt, but speaking of promontory and great views, what about Murray? I mean, that's, that's fantastic. You know, that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great place to not only have a, a drink inside, but then walk out on the veranda and you overlook the, the first tee and the 18th hole and green. And that's, it's fabulous. And the, yeah, and, and the water and the light and the lighthouse and the and way, way in the background. It's, yeah, yeah you're, that's a good call. I, you know, what's interesting, I think, Caden, about your question is that the 19th holes over there are mostly fantastic. When you get into a clubhouse and, you know, uh, well, Dale, how about the lunch at at Royal St. George's or the lunch at uh, Muirfield? I mean, because you go in there, Hayden, and it's like, yeah. go ahead, Dale, I'll let you. No, no, I mean, they're they're unbelievable. The spread they have and everything is is the finest. I mean, down to the you know what they what they serve you uh you know and the and the cutlery and everything is just i mean let's just start with that and then they bring you know different courses you've got the soup course you've got the cheese which is usually at the end you've got the lunch i mean it's amazing and everything is just you want to eat a little bit of everything you walk out of there you're just stuffed um but yeah it's th those are fantastic I've got one. I've got my favorite spot. Okay. okay. The RNA. Bam. <laughs> I like repairing That's to the RNA for a cocktail <laughs> after my round. That's that's hard to tell. You got it, Jeff. That's the best place for a drink. Kudos. That's some pretty good and bad experiences at these 19th holes. Any bad experiences? Well, no. Well, I just want to, before I answer that, I mean, the best thing about going to the 18th hole is, think about it. Um, you you just played 18 holes and, and, and you know, it could be, a, could be a tough day out there. It could be really windy um, or it could be just beautiful, sunny and, and, and calm. But when you're done, I mean, you, you come in there and you just feel fantastic you know you're 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 tired from walking 18 holes but you've got that sea air that you've been breathing all day long um and and just you know it's no matter what uh you know the score is or what whatever however you ended up in whatever competition that day you you walk in there and you just feel like a hundred bucks and then just having you know a a a, a um you know, being able to relax and have a drink afterwards, just kind of the capper. But um, I've I've never had any bad experiences after. It's it's all been it's all good. What I can remember. Hard to have a bad experience. Sounds like. Yeah, I got you. Um, well, talking about experiences, um, each of you give me your best uh, experience as a trip. So, which trip did you have the best experience on? Jeff, go ahead and start. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, we've taken a lot of people over there. I've never had a single person get home. And Dale, correct me if I'm wrong, the people that you've known that have said, yeah, that wasn't, we didn't have, any, <laughs> that wasn't any good. We didn't have any fun. Um, yeah, never. You know, for me, my biggest joy is taking people and kind of standing back and just letting them experience it. So, Dale's been with me on a number of times where we've done this. I sneak into St. Andrews kind of in a back way. 
and I, I, I go into the parking lot of the Old Course Hotel. And then we park and we kind of walk down and they kind, they're kind of getting the sense that we're in St. Andrews, but it's kind of hidden. And then we, we get on the road, but, which, is the, which is for the road hole, and they realize where they're at. And if there's nobody playing or there's a gap, we walk up and they look at the green and look at the the um, road hole bunker. bunker and and then we go up and get our picture taken on the Swilkin Bridge. You know that may be the best experience for me is exposing people to, you know, the home of golf and that view. Um, you know, there's nothing like it. That's a that's a tremendous experience, but. I think, you know, for each person, it's different. You know, Dale and I have been to a number of open championships. The first one we went to was uh, at Muirfield. That was just a, an amazing day. He talked about it on his podcast. Um, I, I went without him to the, the open, the last open at St. Andrews, which was phenomenal. I think that may be the best sporting event I've ever been to being at, you know, an open championship at St. Andrews. Uh, my best golf experience is shooting a 77 at the old course. That wasn't the question, Jeff. That wasn't the <laughs> my question. best experience. How was your golf Listen. experience last week at uh, Lake Hills <laughs> yeah. country golf club? Thank that you. That wasn't a links course. I refuse to answer that question. We're just talking about golf experience. Didn't yeah. me and Dale beat you in Wolf last, uh, was it Sunday? Saturday? Yeah. I guess we, we're not talking about golf experiences anymore. I, I lost by an inch. <laughs> uh, I wasn't supposed so, to bring that up. Yeah. I'll give you real quick. My my favorite trip that I went on, well, listen, I, it's hard to say favorite, but one of the most memorable, just in terms of the quality of the golf, right, would have to be, uh, and what um, stands out, each round stands out, would have to be the Wales and um, England. Uh, England tour. Because yeah. we started in Wales, and I remember we, I think maybe the first round we played was Pinard. Yeah. And uh, that course is wild. There's castle ruins on it. You've got wild horses running around yeah. um, the course as you're playing it. It's probably one of the most primal types of uh, settings for golf you'll ever experience, but great golf nonetheless. And then uh, Aberdovey, right, where um, there, there's up. cows on the golf course. <laughs> A lot of livestock in Wales, apparently. Uh, hey, and by the way, you misspoke. The first course we played was Pile and Kenfig. Oh, yeah. Which has an amazing back nine, spectacular back nine. Yeah. But the reason I remember this, Hayden, is my very first swing on the first tee at Pile and Kenfig, our first round over there. That my, you know, when you travel with a big golf bag, it gets jostled around. Uh, so I take the swing with my driver and the head pops off. The shafts have been compromised. Um, so I had to, I, for whatever reason, I didn't buy another driver. So I played the rest of the 10 days or whatever with a three wood. And we had a prize that year for best, um, best low score for the week net. I won best low net without a driver. <laughs> which proved to me I was playing with a bunch of knuckleheads who didn't need to be playing with driver. I won a couple hundred bucks without a driver. Yeah, I mean, okay. honestly, sometimes you just got to put the driver in the bag. So I guess that kind of helps you out, maybe. You know what he's going to get? He's going to get a trophy from Hillside. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, you're talking about knuckleheads. Uh, so you may have won low net for the week with without a driver but this is this is what the champion 2003 champion baby um so yeah that was that was that was awesome uh that was a great trip and 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 then in england um and i mentioned this before um hayden is is just all the courses that you have in the southport area right liverpool southport 
Southport, you got Royal Liverpool, um, Hoy Lake, I'm sorry, not, uh, yeah, and then you've got um, Royal Brookdale, Hillside, Southport, and Ainsdale, and they're all just situated right there on the, yeah. on the northwest coast. So that's, that's fantastic golf, um, and that's why that, you know, trips um, kind of sticks out in my mind is because we played a lot of different varied courses. Um, it's not where most people would think, certainly not Americans would think to go play golf, um, but you'll, you won't get a, a better golf experience than, than playing there. And, and, you know, Ireland's fantastic too, in terms of just the, I think you'll, you'll run into some courses that are just fantastic um, and, and take, you know, links golf to another level. Um, so, you know, it's not always a tried and true. It's not always the most historic um, courses to play. It's something, you know, um, more, I guess, you know, lesser, lesser traveled, uh, areas of, of the yeah. British Isles where you can get the best, uh, golf experience. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. You know, Hayden, you asked a moment ago about like worst experience in a pub and we've had some bad experiences in pubs. Let me assure, assure you, we just can't talk about them <laughs> in public, but you know, for me, what, what Dale's talking about is finding these diamonds in the rough right? Like finding, you know, a Murray or a Rossapena or yeah. a Cairn or a Connemara or, um, you know, Princes or St. Enendoc. These are courses that are most, most of the people listening to this have never heard of. And the worst experience I've ever had, and Dale, I know you'll agree with this, or you'll remember it, Ballyliffin. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ballyliffin, where this bus pulls up and all these Americans pile off. Yeah. Right. And you hear all these harsh American accents in this beautiful country. Where's the carts? Where's the golf carts? <laughs> you know, where, you know, and you're like, oh man, these are people who don't have any appreciation. But the point was that they, um, we try to take you to, we try to take our guests to places where there, there aren't busloads of people. Right. We, we, yeah, we want you to play, if you're in Ireland, yeah, we want you to play Royal County Down, but we also want you to play Rossapenna and Cairn and um, Dukes and these lesser known places that are, you know, just spectacular courses, but also have a great uh, footprint in the history of golf. And so my, my, the worst experience I have is seeing a busload of Americans pull up at a, at a massive course. And, yeah. Yeah, and we're and, and, and we're typically smaller groups. We're fours and eights typically, and uh, you know, yes, our understand. trips are much more intimate, and we try to avoid the the bus loads. Yeah, Andrew Cook was talking about last week that one thing he'd uh, tell Americans is to find that course that's more of a members course and a better feel. Um, that's that was his preference for sure. Um, with experiences, something that can really change your experience at a championship course is caddies. What's your preference on caddies? What would you recommend for people going over there for the first time when they should take a caddy and when they shouldn't? Personally, I don't recommend them. I don't like caddies. I don't think they're funny. I don't think they're helpful. And I think they're expensive. underrated. Yeah. <laughs> now, Dale and I would agree, I'm sure, some of our best experiences are with caddies. I mean, you've got Absolutely. a local person you're hanging out with for four or five hours yeah. and you're, you're talking, you know, you know, Hey, where's a great restaurant around here? Where do your kids go to school? What do you do outside of here? It's distracting enough that you, it, you know, if you're playing a competitive round, it takes your mind off the round. And it, I mean, they're invaluable at reading greens, finding golf balls, telling jokes. I mean, I agree with all that. It's spectacular. I couldn't, now, by the way, I'm going to let Dale talk here in a moment, but my recommendation is that if you're playing a championship course, like a Prestwick or a Troon or Royal County Down or Royal Porth Call or Royal St. George's, take a caddy. But if you're playing Murray or Tain or, you know, these member courses, don't take a caddy. They, they sell these little guides in there for four or five pounds 
pick out a trolley, push your cart, yeah. you know. So Dale, yeah. what are your thoughts on the caddy? Still that they're overrated. No, I, I, I love the caddies. It, it, I, hey, as far as I'm concerned, anytime you can get a caddy, I would, I would definitely have one. Um, I think uh, for all the reasons Jeff stated, they're, they're well worth um, many times over what you would, uh, what you would. Yeah, they're, they're typically about a hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. Why, why they were, why these two are making fun of caddies and they're, they're, they're pointing fun at make, me. No, we're not poking fun at you. Seriously. No, 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 no. They, they may, hey, hey, they make fun of us. I mean, that's the best thing about a, a caddy is, is they will cut you down to size uh, <laughs> right away. And believe yeah. me, they, they've dealt oh. with much bigger egos than Jeff or I when they come in there. So they're, they're equipped to, yeah. to really, yeah, hand, hand it to you. Yeah, hand listen to this, Dave. This is a true story. We were playing at St. Andrews. Dale, Dale took his dad, which was a fa fantastic trip. CJ, we love hanging out with CJ. CJ was probably 70 at the time. Dale was probably 50 at the time. Or maybe CJ was even older than that. Was it like 20 years ago? He, he, was, he was 68. And actually, let me, let me tell the story, Jeff. So, <laughs> so it wasn't CNN. It was, it was Royal Doorknock. And uh, he, was, he was hitting the ball like unbelievably the the entire week and um i remember we we're on the back nine and he had another you know 250 yard drive which you know for a 68 year old man is fantastic and i told the i told the, his caddy i said uh you know um can you believe he's cj 68 years old i hope i can hit the ball that far when i'm 68 and he looked at me and he said you should start trying to hit the ball that far today <laughs> yeah that's probably good uh so i mean a lot of things like that like uh, i remember john blair after he you know had uh shot on his way to a 110 or something score i can't remember what course it was and his with muirfield and after the round was over he paid the caddy and <laughs> he goes no he said uh, he goes he, what do he i said, owe you <laughs> what do i owe you and the caddy said well you can start with an apology <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he and then he ended up he paid him and the caddy looked at it and he goes mm, this won't do sir <laughs> yeah he handed the money back to the caddy i'm afraid that won't do sir oh wow. so just i mean there's tons of stories like that but they're the, the caddies are worth their weight in gold and you know the yeah. other one the other one you remember um i think it was your it may have been brian no it was brian weston's caddy when we were playing with howard at presswick and Howard is left-handed and he hits a slice and he was, he was losing his ball all day. He couldn't judge how far it went. He'd be off by 30 yards. He'd be looking too far up or too far back. Brian's caddy was getting tired of looking and Brian, we're, we're in knee deep grass looking for Howard's ball. And, and Brian, uh, Brian says to his caddy, he goes, uh, you know, Howard is a world-class sailor. He circumnavigated the, the globe you know, in a sailboat all by himself. And the guy looks at Brian and goes, must not be that hard. <laughs> you know, the guy can't find a golf ball, but he can, you know, find his way around the globe in a yeah. sailboat. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, those, those are amazing memories. The caddies, uh, they, they teach you lessons and they, they make fun of you as well. Um, let's take a change of pace here. Jeff, we'll start with you. What kind of life lessons has uh, golf taught you? Well, I, I'll tell you this, I think, uh, through golf and well, you know, golf is a gentle person's game, right? You, you have etiquette, you, mm -hmm. you know, recently I was playing golf and I, I raked my way out of a bunker and a homeowner near there came out and started clapping. And I'm like that, I, that I didn't hit a very good shot, ma'am. And she goes, I know I'm, clapping because you raked the, the, the trap. Most people don't do that, right? Yeah. Holy cow. But it teaches us valuable lessons about etiquette and how we treat people. And while Dale and I have a lot of fun on the course and like you saw over the this past weekend, we joke around a lot and make fun of one another. It's also brought yeah. he and I and a number of my friends closer together because of golf. 
um, and the travels that we've had together. It's, you know, he and I, we've been over there nine times together. The member, I mean, I've got memories of him every time we've played together. Um, yeah. You know, meals that we've, sh meals that we shared, like stealing meatballs, you know, and not telling someone we're stealing their meatballs. And I mean, just caddy stories and bad golf and great golf and dads. And it's just yeah. been, a, it's been an amazing uh, 25 years that he and I have been going over there. When I'm, uh, I, I've been catting the past couple months of this course down here. And a lot of the people say that, you know, walking a golf course really makes you slow down and appreciate what you're doing. And I think, you know, most of Lynx golf over there, there's no golf carts and you, you need to walk the course. And I think that being able to do that really makes you slow down and enjoy yourself and enjoy what you're doing with your friends, makes you just kind of, think about life um so yeah it yeah I, I would say it's much more intentional when you're walking your golf right you just you, you kind of you take it all in everything seems to be um well um paced and and it's a much better way to play as, especially over there so and i agree with everything that jeff just said about uh about the golf experiences all right, Dale, a uh, couple questions for the people out there th who have not been over to the British Isles and are thinking about taking a first trip. Um, what made you pull the trigger on your first trip? Well, I've been a fan of Lynx Golf just from watching the Open Championship on TV and yeah. always wondered, you know, what, it what would it be like to go over there and actually play that type of golf that you can't play here in the States. And so um, that really piqued my interest. And then after talking to Jeff, after he'd gone on his first trip, because I went with him on a second trip over there and just how, you know, excited he was about getting back and, and, and going again and, and telling me, you know, recounting all the uh, great uh, experiences he and his father had playing Lynx golf over there. It just, I, I I really made the decision on a whim and <clears throat> back then there wasn't a lot of, you know, information on traveling over to the British Isles to play Lynx golf. And so I relied a lot on Jeff, but you know, now um, today with um, Royal Lynx golf tours, and I think I just want to commend you guys on the uh, website you've developed, um, you know, being a professional marketer, um, looking at that website, I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic and chock full of information on um, different trips, itineraries you can do, what to pack, the different areas to travel to, the courses, uh, sample itineraries. I mean, it's just fantastic. If I would have had that um, before my first trip, it wouldn't have changed my decision. Uh, it, it would have still been to go right away, but I would have been able to do a lot of pre-work and kind of educating myself on what I was about to experience. And you guys have done a masterful job of, of laying that all out so people can easily go in and consume that information before they travel. So I yeah, just I'll, go ahead and, uh, I'll go ahead and plug in that unpaid advertisement. Uh, Jason Hunter Design is who he uses, a, yeah. a good, good friend of ours. Um, and they got us all set up, got all the, the website together, took us I think two months to really get everything in there. We've got course descriptions. Um, we've got, uh, you know, information on trips that you can, you can see and you can actually see out where we, we would take you each day. Uh, we've got hotels um, that you can look at, Airbnbs you can look at. It really, we, we like to plan and like scope out everything about your trip so you can do a little bit of research before and um, you know about the courses, you can figure out which courses you want to go to, which country you want to go to. So uh, that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good take. And the, and the testimonials on there are great. And the, the fact that, you know, somebody can pick up the phone and talk to you or Jeff and really, you know, get a, a, a good idea of what, it, what's in store and, and what their options are. So that's an invaluable service. And I think it's going to serve not only you well, but I think your, your patrons well, as they uh, take advantage of that. So, yeah, I think that's one of the main things that's going to uh, make us stand out as we, we take the time. We want, we want to get you on a zoom call. We want to take you through the trip. 
we want to see where your brain's at, what we can, uh, what we can change, what we can, what you want to keep on there, what courses you want us to change, uh, the types of courses, types of places to stay. Uh, I think being able to talk on a Zoom call and really figure those things out can really change somebody's uh, experience. So, totally uh, next question for the people out there who are hesitant on booking their first trip. Uh, what advice would you give them? Don't be hesitant. I think the saying goes, he who hesitates is lost, mm -hmm. is lost. That's what my, my, uh, my, my father, my stepfather, CJ always used to tell me, and it couldn't apply better here. I mean, yeah, I mean, just think if I would have hesitated on that first trip and never went, and then I probably likely would have gone, you know, the following year. And then I would have had, there would have always been an ex excuse. There's always, you know, something that doesn't make it the perfect time to travel. And you really have to buy in and say, I want to do this. It's something that's going to be a great experience. And if you can get other people to go with you, friends, family, I mean, I think that makes it even more special. And plus then you're, you're really committed because now somebody else is, is doing it with you. So I think um, don't, don't hesitate. I mean, my gosh, um, we're, we're getting through a worldwide pandemic right now. There's no sense yeah. if we've learned anything coming out of this, it's that don't put the important things off in life. And, and uh, you know, I think I've, like Jeff said earlier, um, nobody has ever come back to him and said, man, that was like, I wish I would have not gone. I wish I would have, I could have done something yeah. different. <laughs> I mean, they're all about, that was the best trip ever. And I can't wait to go again. That's, I think we could take a survey and we could take a hundred people who have gone on a trip, get them back. I think a hundred out of a hundred would say it was worth it. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't taken my first trip and I, I, I want to say now that I am more excited getting into this business and doing all the research and creating that love for Lynx golf. And I've always watched the, the golf on, on television and I'm young. So I've got, I've got some years to, um, to pull that trigger, yeah. but being able to see, you know, Tiger Woods play at the old course and um, that and, and having the opportunity to go and play there is just amazing and i think that you need to do that earlier than later and i say that because you do it now you get to experience the rest of your life and you're not going to wait for this amazing uh amazing trip i hope that um people out there who are kind of new to the scene new to Lynx golf and kind of getting their wrapping their minds around actually being able to, to take a trip like this it's it's very doable and uh um, I think you should do it sooner than later. Um, well, you know, what's exciting. Um, and I live on a golf course here in Peachtree city. So I see, I, I, since the, you know, beginning of the pandemic and we had the shutdown and everything, and then all of a sudden people were looking for activities they could do outside and what better activity than golf. So you saw, I saw a lot of people go past my house um, that you could tell that they, you know, hadn't played a lot of golf before, but they were having a great time. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were, they, they dug, uh, they borrowed somebody's clubs or dug clubs out of the attic and we were out there playing. And I think it's just fantastic for golf. I think golf is really experiencing a renaissance. And I think um, for those of you that are new, newer to golf, um, you know, don't feel like you've got to wait to get, you know, accomplished to go on one of these trips. You can go over and have a great time. Um, you know, typically you don't play, uh, you know, you can play, and that's the great thing about golf is you can play whichever tees suit you and, um, you know, take it easy on yourself and go, go experience something can to totally different. You think you like golf here and it's a great game. Just think how much fun you'll have over in British Isles. It's, it's, uh, it's a great thing and something you will never regret doing. As well said, thank you, Dale Smiths for uh, coming on again. It was a great, great uh, hour I think we had with you and yeah. Jeff and some great stories. Um, appreciate you coming on and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Yeah, my pleasure, Hayden, anytime. And listen, you're doing a great job um, and you and Jeff are uh, doing a fantastic job at Royal Links. So appreciate it. Sure. Have a great evening. Thank you. See ya. All right, take care, bye. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of Travel Royally Podcast. 
For those of you who have never been to the British Isles for a golf trip, including myself, I hope that the uh, information that these two guys gave today um, really gives you some great insight on uh, Lynx Golf and hopefully gives you some motivation to getting out there and booking your first trip. Um, if you are looking to get some information on booking a trip, uh, you know who to go to, Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Uh, you can go to RoyalLynxGolfTours.com. You can look at course descriptions. You can look at, at uh, tours that we have on there. Um, if you want to get on a call with us, fill out that vacation customization form. Uh, we'll get it sent to us. We will set up a call with you and we'll go through exactly what you want to do, exactly which courses you want to go to, which country. And you know, if you want us to customize it uh, completely, Jeff has uh, the most experience in that. He will be able to uh, set you up with the most amazing golf courses, amazing hotels. Um, and if you want to go to uh, a place and play some members courses, some diamond in the roughs, some Airbnbs that are on the on the uh, on the ocean, some hotels that are on the ocean, uh, he'll set you up with those as well. We'll customize it exactly to what you want to do. Uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in again. If you uh, are viewing on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast, hit the follow button. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next week.